Hello, and welcome to Reanimated, episode 281-ish. Uh, my name's Stuart. I am host A, host Bravo, and Bravo is H.A. Conrad in New York. Hello. Woohoo! Hi. Hey, hi. You know what? I feel like we've both dodged a bit of a bullet this uh, this past week with the polar vortex. Well, I was about to say, um, speaking of the breakdown of humanity, the situation down there has been just absolutely catastrophic. Um And they now do have water back and power back, but the water is undrinkable and smells pretty bad because it hasn't been treated. So um, all of this is because the power grid in Texas is on its own and they want to, you know, they don't want people to mess with them. And it's been interesting to watch sort of the spin because it seems like a lot of the politicians in Texas tried to blame uh, the wind turbines and... Mm-hmm. Here's the thing is that they dealt with some like a deep freeze, like a very similar storm to this, not quite as catastrophic, obviously, but they did deal with some stuff where they had um, power grid issues several years ago and made a commitment to supposedly fix it, but they didn't. They have never weatherized their wind turbines, but that actually wasn't the issue. The issue was that the grid just couldn't pull power from anywhere else and it just broke down because it had just uh, couldn't deal with the freezing temperatures and specifically the gas lines could not deal with those temperatures. So um, it really Really, just that many people without without water, without heat, um, and you know. Let's also talk about the fact that Texas is not prepared for that level of cold anyway. So most houses aren't insulated in the way that houses up here are. Um, and you know, look, there's things that, for example, I have no. I'm terrified of rattlesnakes. I have no idea how to deal with them. I also don't really know how to deal with super extreme heat, but I do know how to deal with winter, and I do know that you know. The carbon monoxide poisoning issue is very real. And so, but people, when they were desperate, they were going into their cars because they had no heat in their houses. And so there was like an insane number of carbon monoxide uh, poisoning cases throughout Texas because that's what people were doing. How does that work? Not to get too macabre, but are they running their car in their garage and that leads to carbon monoxide poisoning? So it was two things. One was the people who would go into their garage and run it. And, you know, look, carbon monoxide poisoning is insidious. So you just think you're sleepy. Like it doesn't smell. It doesn't, you know, I I would imagine it's you're going to feel like the exhaust and stuff in the garage might eventually you'll notice it, but you're not going to notice it probably in enough time to save yourself. Um, yeah. That's why it's really bad. Um, but the other part is that a lot of generators, like especially ones that aren't really meant to be used like inside a house um, uh-huh. can put that off too. And so there was just so many cases of that and too, truly tragic. Bananas. And, How you doing on the vaccine front? You got your shot? <laughs> no. There are, okay. So actually that storm um, basically stopped a lot of uh, vaccine yeah. vaccinations. Moderna is not happening. moving right now into California either. Yeah, um, basically in New York, um, there was just like honestly, almost there's nothing available right now. So they're waiting again for the ramp up right now. It looks like only second doses they're making available. And so I don't know what's going to happen. I keep looking, but it honestly is a second job to be able to find one. Um, and look, I. You know, I definitely want to get one, but there is a bit of guilt on my part. Like, I just feel like more people, other people deserve it more somehow um, because I'm still able to work from home and I'm not, you know. Yeah, um, that's the right mentality. So so I'm going to keep looking. If you're not forced to go out and and interact with people face to face for your job or, you know, to, to make a living or to put food on the table. Then yeah, you can take a back seat for a while. Yeah, so I'm gonna keep looking, but not, you know, not. I'm not gonna make it my second job. And you know, happily, my mom has finally gotten an appointment, which I'm really excited about. I'm so happy about that because that's been obviously something I've been worried about. So, uh, dude, there's just too much end of the world type news 
I know. Um, in in media news, there was some couple of well, there was one kind of odd story that popped up at the end of last week, beginning of this week, which is that they're they're moving forward on this remake of Train to Busan. The, what the I don't understand, I'm not sure why they would do this. Like I thought when I first saw this, and I know that there was some hint of this, and I think maybe because Snowpiercer they made it into a series, and they were talking about maybe doing a Train to Busan series. Um, so that to me makes a little sense because there's lots of little stories you could probably tell surrounding that. But why do a remake now? It seems a little weird, right? It does seem a little close to. I mean that. Yeah, it may be like selling, you know, optioning that story. They're like they've they've got a director on board and a producer. They don't have anything else as far as details. This is in like variety, not in, um, you know, bloody disgusting or anything. So hmm. it's not like this, it's going to come out next year. It might be four years or something. Uh, what I don't really get is what is the angle that they're going to take? Is this going to be a, a story for Western audiences um, so far? I, the the people who have signed on to do the project are all Asian, as far as I know. And so, like, is that going to be a really different version of this film? Is it still going to be called Train to Busan? Is it going to be uh, Train to, I don't know, Tahoe? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, my thought was that they were probably much like they did, you know, remakes of other things that we have seen. Um, that's what I thought was that they they're going to probably make it specifically for like American audiences. Um, that, or... that makes sense to me, American or European or whatever. But like, I think it has to be a geographical reinterpretation because the first one was pretty damn good. I don't see a need to remake yeah, it already. You know? Agreed. And, you know, for me, I just thought that the setting was so incredible that I just don't know you, how you can top that really. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess we'll see. I'm, you know, look, I'm fine with that. I just want to see that director. Um, I want to see him get the credit he deserves and hopefully he's making some coin on that so he can do other cool stuff. Um, but um, let's, yeah, so let's give it, see what happens with it. Um, and then you found this other trailer for a Canadian film, I think, uh, right? Yep. Brain Freeze? Yep. Every time I think we've we've probably plumbed the uh, the extent of the Quebec, yeah. the Quebecois obsession with zombie film. Uh, another one shows up. So here's another French language Canadian zombie movie. This one's called Brain Freeze, and it's being billed as a rom a zomcom rather. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it the, the trailer at least stars an infant, like a baby. Uh, I don't know, a couple months old, not much older than that. A crawler. Um, and this, so right away, you're in some pretty challenging territory. For I mean, Cargo manages it. It's it's a. I think that's a tough place to begin your zombie story. Right. Um, so it's uh, written and directed by Julian. I think Nafos, how you say it, right? Mm -hmm. Um. But it was, they did a proof of concept um, to be able to get it funded. Um, and basically the whole idea is that it's uh, this teenager named Andre and he's left to, to kind of survive the whole, the whole apocalypse with his little sister, Annie. Um, the effects look pretty good. Um, I, oh, yeah. you know, the zombie in the trailer is, is pretty good. And this is, they are doing a different take on, on zombie canon where it's, well, it's not that different. It's like a chemical. They're chemical zombies, is the idea. Like they're in frozen tundra, um, Canada, and they've come up with a way to keep their golf course clear of snow 
all year round. Right, and right. so these zombies have like green stuff coming out of them because it's something they did to treat the grass has made them into zombies. And so, right. the, but the zombie who shows up in the trailer and I feel a little bit guilty for that actual baby looking at this zombie in makeup doesn't <laughs> the, the baby doesn't start crying. Otherwise I'd be like, Oh, come on, come on guys. Well, but, maybe um, they did it so that they're just doing the shots and the baby isn't actually seeing it. So maybe the baby can't see that zombie. I don't I know. Hope, I hope so. Cause you know, you think of something like that coming back <laughs> to bite her, so to speak <laughs> yeah. in the future. And I just, uh, still, I don't know that that's like a good idea, but anyway, um, I, I will totally watch this. It looks great. Um, so yeah. we'll have to keep coming an eye out on 2021, that. maybe July. I don't know. Yeah. 2021 is the, uh, proposed, Release date. And speaking of release dates and slightly different topic, but Army of the Dead, you know how you were bemoaning that the uh, the Batista, yep. Dave Batista article last week had no release date. Um, their Bloody Disgusting picked up that story and also included summer 2021. Ooh, so summer. Bloody, that could yeah. be anywhere from June to <laughs> August. So we'll see. <laughs> or even May. Or yeah. even May, maybe. Uh, but yeah, um, I mean, May is technically spring, but I think some people, I mean, didn't, yeah. So either way, I think that is at least a little more to look forward to, and that's going to be a Netflix release. Yeah. So, so. Um, and um, uh, before we uh, get into to our oh, and then we were also talking about we're gonna, you know, we're gonna review the the exit humanity a zombie saga today, and then we are happily jumping back into some Walking Dead stuff. Um, yeah. Remind me next time I'm complaining about Walking Dead quality to you know, kick me under the table. Maybe you know. I'll just send you back to watch a little excerpt of this. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it reminded me because I know that you did not like iZombie. Um, I'm personally a fan of, of Rob Thomas um, from Veronica Mars, my love of Veronica Mars. And we've actually been... This is something we've been rewatching as, you know, we have we have new stuff that we watch, but we also have series that we really loved. And I kind of, these are more shows that we'll put on because we've seen them before. And so um, they're kind of like they're in the background or whatever, you know, more something that you can expect and you kind of know what's going to happen in them. So that, you know, for some reason, I find that a little less stressful sometimes in this particular world that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um but we've been rewatching Veronica Mars and um, it, you know, a few different things have, have come up about iZombie, even though that ended a bit. It had it had like five seasons, actually. Unbelievable. Um, I know. I know you don't think it, but I might actually have to go in and watch it beyond what where we stopped. Um, because I do like the writing I, and I like his writing and I like Diane uh, Ruggiero's writing. And those are the two people that did Veronica Mars. Um, it's just really clever and well done. So maybe iZombie has more redeemable qualities than, than you know, we thought. Um, but maybe it doesn't and it's really terrible. In any case, um, in that's... This, in the depths of this winter of my zombie content discontent, you make a, you make a good argument. And so it might... It might mean that I have to go back and take another look at well, it. Well, you know, what I was thinking while rewatching Veronica Mars is that there's definitely like the way that they shot this. And granted, this was like a CW show. It was like a UPN, then CW show, maybe. Um, and it got canceled kind of um, suddenly and uh, to the disgust of, of really avid fans, um, including myself, because it's, um, I think it's the there's definitely some melodramatic things and it's supposed to be like film noir. Like that's the whole idea. It's supposed to be like the hard boiled detective thing, but sort of 
through the lens of a teenage person. Um, probably the reason I also like it is I think Kristen Bell is awesome. Um, and she um, and the the guy who plays her father is their chemistry is incredible. Like their relationship is probably, I think, one of the best well and well written, well portrayed things um, that I've ever seen. Um, so you can get past the the sort of you know, I don't want to call it like car- cartoonish uh, the way some of the, it's like filmed, but it's some of it's pretty, you know, uh, just you're like oh wow that's definitely early aughts you know what i mean um yeah. it's enrico uh colin tony who i'm thinking of who you've probably mm-hmm. seen like in a ton of stuff but the writing is so good that you're like oh you know this is really good writing and you don't always see it as well portrayed and the storytelling is really well done um there's certainly a couple of duds in there and there's definitely some issues i have and th- things that would never happen in a in a series now um but i I feel like I'm just enjoying it even more than I did the first time I watched it. So just throwing that out there. And so I'm going to give iZombie a chance. Probably I'm going to have to watch this on the rower because Bill refuses to watch it with me (laughs) as much as he loves Rob Thomas. Um, But, you know, just trying to to mix up the content a little bit and give things more of a chance. So, yeah, um, Yeah. the the stuff that I've been rewatching through the lens of, um, you know, nostalgia have been community uh, Dan Harmon's community with mm. Joel McHale and, and that amazing cast. Um, and then, but yeah, so community has been amazing. And then I rewatched all of the expanse, um, through this most current season. And now I'm listening to Wes Chatham and Ty Frank's podcast about the expanse and what influenced it. And it's just, it's also good. Oh, you're deep in it then. Oh, I'm nice. so deep. I've gone in real deep, but, but you know what? I, I love also show. that show I... throws you in at the deep end. You kind of need like a guiding, uh, helper, for that one, because I also tried to convince a friend to start watching it, and she and she texted me after watching the first episode. She's like, "So, how many of these episodes do I have to watch before I understand what the hell's going on?" And I was like, "I forget that that's kind of how that show begins." It is how it is, though. It is good, though, and I. But you know what? I kind of like it. Um, one of the, th- the things I do like about. Um, like different content and shows today is that you do have these podcasts and you have ways to, you know, kind of parse out your thoughts about it and things that you didn't think about. And if it's a good host and somebody that like really loves it and is into it um, and they get good guests on it, yeah. I think that it's it's kind of a lot of fun. Actually, earlier in the pandemic, um, we rewatched West Wing um, because they had the West Wing we- Weekly. Um, and that was amazing because it's just a lot of things that you didn't necessarily Like think a little about. curated visit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those and, are great. Um, and they had pretty much everybody on. I mean, I don't. I can't even think. They even had like Mark Harmon on who was only on like this very specific story arc in the West Wing, though it's one of the most memorable and it's part of why he got the role on NCIS. Um, uh-huh. But led, it, it led to his entire yeah. like, meteoric career. But it was like it was actually really just really sweet because he was such a fan of Allison Janney and just couldn't like stop talking about her. And then they had her on later and brought oh, it dude, up. Yeah, this is why I started listening to the um, the alternate audios on Blu-rays when those were a thing. Um, you know, like I would watch the, well, this is when I was also deployed in Afghanistan and I had a lot of time on my hands occasionally. And I would, so I would watch all of the Lord of the Rings DVDs and then I'd watch it all again with the audio oh, commentary nice. on. 
Uh, and so to me, that, that's like the that was pre podcast time, basically. But it's still and, the same idea. It's like you get this different yeah. different perspective. Um, and one of the best things out of that particular thing with Mark Harmon was that I guess Allison Janney and he was talking about it, and he still sounds like heartbroken about it because he was really hoping he'd be like a series regular on the show. <laughs> and she said, "Oh, honey, I'm so sorry, but you're probably gonna die because they can't let CJ be happy right now." <laughs> that's exactly what happened sorry spoilers but it was really sweet to hear him talk about it and her talk about it too because they both like um on different episodes uh chatted about their experience but that's just one of the things that i think i think the the commentary and just hearing what the writers were thinking and the actors were thinking um personally i really enjoy it so you know i as i said i'm gonna get into the expanse bill hasn't quite signed on to it yet but i'm reluctant to watch it on my own it's a bit of a oh, it's, you should. Well, I don't think you should uh, shy away from watching it on your own. I think oh I'm no, I mean I'm reluctant to watch it on my own before he totally basically yeah, says yeah, just do it because come around because if he then decides he wants to watch, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. I don't want to, I yeah. don't want to like be halfway through the series and then suddenly he decides he's into it. So so there's one more season too. I think the next season is supposed to be the last. All right. Um, but so this one more plug for this podcast. They're they're calling it Ty and That Guy, because. Uh, Ty Frank is the author of the of the novels, and he's a he's a writer on the show and producer. And then Wes Chatham is one of the actors, one of the primary mm. cast members. Cool. And so, like the they did a after show for season five as that was airing, and uh, since they did that, they really enjoyed it, and they do have good chemistry. And Wes Chatham's just a really charismatic, delightful guy, as you might imagine, as an actor. Yep. Um, and so they've decided to go through the entire show. And it's taken them two podcasts to get through the first episode. Oh, I love it. <laughs> with, That's awesome. With guest, with guest Thomas Jane. Oh, uh, nice. Who, who was the big name associated with the show that got people to come and watch it in the first place. And um, and they're basically the first episode of the podcast is them making all of the parallels and talking about all the inspiration they got from the movie Alien and how that informed <laughs> the pilot of, ex- That's of The pretty Expanse. awesome. And so, H.A., I think that you would get a huge kick out of that. Awesome. And so you should, uh, you should no, definitely I'm going, check it out. No, I am going to. And believe me, it's on. It's definitely at the top of my list. I just have to, you know, again, you know what I'm talking about. Like, if you don't clear yeah. it, there's specific oh, yeah. content. No, you want to you get on the same page if you can. I get it. Um, because you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I know it. Um, because it's like, and it's interesting because it's like, he, like, there's very specific things that he likes and doesn't like. I feel like this is very much up his alley. So, um, so we'll see, but I don't know. It's just a bit of a learning curve, but once you're there, it's, it's great. Uh, so the other bit of zombie news, we've got a lot of tangents. We, we both know why we're tangenting. We both know why we're tangenting. If, if our audience doesn't, it's because we really didn't like the film that we watched. (laughs) So it's probably not going to be a very long review. I stopped taking notes about two thirds of the way through. I was just like, ah, fuck it. All right. But the last (laughs) piece of zombie news is Walking Dead is projected to put out 40 episodes in 2021. They might sometimes be on the same night, mm-hmm. but that is, spells good news for us because it means that we won't have to be scraping the bottom of the barrel for things like Exit Humanity, which I don't know why I thought this was going to be okay, but there were some, there were one or two decent audience reviews. Well, there was more than one or two. So I will say that I think you can be forgiven for thinking that this might be better than it, it actually turned out to be. Because I'll, like... I was like, oh, this looks like really great. So, 
you know, but no, I'm, I'm very excited about more Walking Dead content. And I think, you know, I think we haven't delved totally into some of the classic films that we haven't yet watched. So I think maybe at some point we'll figure that out. Maybe we should come up with our, a new wish list. Um, mm. But, you know, are, are you right? Even though we've been dragging our feet this entire time talking about every show other than the one that uh, other than the thing that we're supposed to review today, you want to jump into it? It's time. It's time to, to rip the Band-Aid off. This right. movie came out in 2011. Mm-hmm. 2012 in the UK, Exit Humanity, colon, a zombie saga. Mm. It was written and directed by a man named John Geddes. What do we know about John Geddes? I mean, he he's like, uh, I mean, he does like horror type films. Um, you know, uh, Creep Nation is the most recent one, I think, that he did in 2019. I'd never heard of that. Um, he like... Uh, let's see, whatever. Monster Brawl um, and Hellmouth, which is where apparently a lot of the people in this particular film came from or had a, a lot of them were in that particular film. Um, so, you know, he's definitely got some horror chops. Um, and I would say, like, I don't know. Um, let's, <laughs> let's talk about... Um, the elephant in the room. Can we, can we address the... There's two elephants in this room, in this movie, which in the cast. Yeah. Brian freaking Cox does the voiceover narration. Yeah. Like, how did you get him to do it? And this, honestly, when I first saw that this, I'm like, oh, then it maybe is going to be okay because Brian Cox <laughs> is Brian Cox, right? I mean, yeah, he wouldn't sacrifice his principles. Right. But um, maybe he didn't know what he was getting into. You get the impression that he had no idea what, what was going on in this movie. He was reading no. the script, doing a good job of it, I think. Yeah. But oftentimes what he was reading had like very little to do with what was going on on the screen. Yeah. Um, you know, I. Um, oh, sorry. He was also involved in The Horde, which is, you know, that's not, not the French one. Um, I don't think so. No, I think a different The Horde. OK. Um, that's the but... Horde with an A and the French one is Horde with an E, I guess. OK. H-O-R-D-E. Well... Well, in any case, I mean, like he's definitely been a producer and a and involved in all this other stuff. So yeah, there you go. Um, but Brian Cox, he must have called in a favor. Maybe Brian Cox sold his soul. I don't know. Um, it's but hard in, to say. But in any case, I don't think that he was total. He totally knew what was going on. But the other person in um, Mark Gibson is in this, and he's in quite a few different um, sort of like. He's been in quite a bit. Um, so He's, I was like, yeah, Mark Gibson is is um is good, goodish in this with what he's got to play with. Oh, he was in Heroes, yeah, uh, and, and, and the Maze Runner, show. and like he's he's done like a ton of stuff. Um, can and I will say like the majority of this this cast is like Canadian because I think they must have done this up in Canada. So there's that. Um, again, I'm gonna also point out it is 2011, but the fact that it's a Civil War zombie film and not one black person. In this, I thought was a little weird um, and kind of an oversight because there could well, have been. Well, there's no people. There's like a tiny cast in this. It is a tiny cast, but even so, come on. Yeah, um, I guess there are any, Yeah, there's a fair amount of zombies. Um, and Dean um, Wallace is in this, which it's like most people remember her that? as the mother from E.T. Um, oh. But she was. She's, oh my god! What is that, Eve? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Crazy. All right. She was not the other big elephant in the room. To me, the biggest other elephant other than Brian Cox is Stephen McCaddy. Oh, well, from yeah. Pony Pool, the DJ from Pony Pool. I was the saving, I was saving for best hours. for last because, okay. you know, but Dee Wallace, like, I mean, come on. She was in The Frighteners. She was in The Howling. She was in Cujo. She has really true horror, sh- like, like chops. So if you see her name on something, you're like, oh, this must be like a valid thing. And as you said, the, the icing on the cake, or at least as far as I was concerned, was our favorite, Mr. McCaddy. I yeah. mean, he's just amazing. Pontypool, amongst many other things, he's just wonderful. So that was kind of, I mean, they put together a pretty solid cast overall, right? Somewhat, I guess. I will say that this film, it was clear throughout this film, to me at least, that whoever was in, in running the show, and I guess that was John Gettys, had a vision of what they wanted. I think that that was like between the voiceover, the uh, weird animation inter- interluding se- uh, sequences that happened, and the story as plotting and abysmal as the plot was. Yeah. They had a vision. It just was a bad one. But yeah. it was like, it was consistent. It was a consistent vision. Uh, you know, I will say that from a cinematography point of view and an, a narration point of view. So I think that they had this idea and there were some really good shots and I really did like some of the shots. Um, what sh- can you give me some? Oh, I guess there were some ce- the scenery. The scenery, like- the scenery was beautiful. Yeah. They did film this in Canada, not in Tennessee, as you know, uh-huh. you would you would hope or it, it. But I do I do think it was a pretty good stand in. And there were some good shots like from from that point of view. I was like, oh, OK, um, the problem is, is that the script and the whole sort of execution of this was honestly, um, it, it felt like I was watching this for six hours, like yeah. probably eight minutes in, I looked at the thing thinking I was like, like half an hour to an hour in. And it was like, oh my God, I'm only at eight minutes. There's, um, a, there's a point at like 23 minutes in when he has a flashback and he has some dialogue. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, has he even spoken until now? Right, right. So there, that's the other decision that they made. So there's a lot of like really just, um, to me, burdensome and long uh, narration by poor Brian Cox, who must have just been talking for hours for them to have like cut all of this <laughs> in. I mean, yeah. I don't know what, what stuff they didn't use, but the whole thing is just so long. And the majority of it is not spe- any character speaking to each other. Um until like halfway through, once Isaac gets introduced, there's more dialogue. And then uh, Eve and, oh God, what's the girl's name? Emma. Emma. Yeah. Yeah. Once they're all, and one kind of, once they're all a little unit, there is more, but it's also a lot of them still just, he, it's like Brian Cox is reading this guy's journal entries. Yeah. And that's um, all. And that's and all. It's really, I mean, it's, it's really bad. But it's also, you know, so much of this to me, like the storytelling of this could have been done in a montage in the beginning, if that's what you were going to do. Um, so how this was framed in terms of what my mind was, like when they said it was like a Civil War zombie film, I had somehow like visions of different, like, you know, different factions of the different armies having to band together and take out the undead or something like that. Like this didn't, I had no idea that this was what we were in for when I started it. And I guess that just shows like what people, you know, what your expectations can be watching like a horror film like this. And so when it just kept going with this sort of like, just I can only call it like a plodding long pace of like showing it almost felt like you were watching like frame by frame, like as you were reading a comic book. And they also had like some animation thrown in there too. Yeah. Um, 
which honestly I thought was because they couldn't like, especially initially I was like, Oh, this is an interesting idea to show some, some different transitions and to show some transitions of time. The fact is though, is that they used it way too much and it didn't really put, it it didn't do anything new or didn't show anything new in the plot line. Um, It didn't push the story forward. It was just like all this extra stuff. It's like, Hey, my buddy's an animator. I'm going to throw this in because it looks cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And honestly, it did look pretty cool. It just didn't do anything different with the story that could, you know, that we weren't already seeing. And I felt like this whole thing could have been chopped down so much and would have been a lot more successful. Um, The fact that you have this character, and granted, I have to say, like, this guy that plays uh, Edward Yun, who's the main character, um, man, what, like how hard must that have been since so much of his, like think of all the scenes he has where he's just like doing action shots, screaming, screaming all alone. The only thing he has to act against in a couple of scenes, he must've been super psyched to, to have some zombies in there because like he's just alone for so much of this film. Um, there was just, it just seemed so like long and burdensome. In the first 20 minutes of him like trying to figure out where his family is, I mean, although it starts with him like having just killed his wife. I'm glad we didn't have to watch that because I right. would have added another 30 minutes to the movie. Right. But the first 20 minutes or so is him trying to find his son, Ham. It's His name's actually Adam, but when he's running through the forest, he sounds like he's yelling Ham. It did sound like again. he was yelling Ham. I thought the same thing and I had to I'm actually... Like, oh, is it... Where's Ham? Find yeah, Ham. Must find Ham. I'm like, why is he calling him Ham? Um, but... And I will say, like, the kid who plays his son and the makeup on him was pretty good. I liked that that whole, yeah. like, moment was was good. But, it's again, it's one moment, and there's just um, the other part of this that was just really tough to deal with is that so much of it was in the dark. And as we know, so many films do this to try to kind of hide the fact that they don't have um, the best zombie makeup or whatever it might be. It's just to kind of gloss over certain things. Maybe it was also to gloss over that they were filming in the same locations over and over and over again, which is totally Yeah, a lot possible. of the shacks that they come across are yeah. very similar. <laughs> I think that they were probably all the same shack, honestly, just a different corner of the shack. Um, so, you know, I think that there were things that they were doing here. And again, I have no issue if you've got a budget, like a small budget for a film, I'm cool with you doing these things to try to like, you know, maximize what you've got. Um, but in this case, again, there wasn't anything new that they did with this. Um, and in fact, it was just sort of like, oh, how did this even, I don't know, for me, it was like, how did it even come to fruition? Like, yeah. how? I don't know, like, and given the cast, and there are some pretty big names in here for, from a horror perspective, like, how did they get to sign on? Were they like, uh, that, though I will say, like, Dee Wallace has, like, once they actually encounter her, that's like more of the speaking and interaction I guess than they have for most of the film so I could see her being involved and not knowing what the rest of it was like look at Stephen McCaddy's role he has a couple of lines but not many and honestly the direction that he's getting I have to assume it's the direction and not his artistic choice to moan a lot every time he's in a conversation with somebody he moans quite a bit it's very strange it's like an odd amount of moaning and but also the scenes between him and this guy playing General Williams and you already said his name and I've already kind of forgotten it um, oh, General Williams. Did I say his name? I yeah, uh, he's one of the cast members. Bill, Bill Mosley. Maybe oh, okay. you didn't. But um, then the scenes where Bill Mosley, sorry, General Williams is talking to Medic Gibson or whatever his name is, mm-hmm. uh, McH- Medic Johnson. It's it's kind of it's pretty telling that 
they are not the same caliber of actor. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. In that case, and because Bill, the General Williams guy, never really nails anything until I think maybe the very final scene, and that's mostly because of the way they framed that shot. Not the final scene, but the the shootout across the well, river. That was just a beautiful location. In William Mosley's defense, he's I mean he's mainly like an like he's been in different films like The Devil's Rejects. Um, he was in Chainsaw Massacre. He's not really generally doing like speaking ish roles. Like he's kind of just this you know he's like a, a standard horror actor. So. But but McCaddy, as we know, has some real chops. Um, so I don't know. But yeah, yeah I agree but, with you. They were, they, they, painful. they didn't. Ha- Luckily, there weren't a lot of scenes with the two of them. But McCaddy was McCaddy should have been the general in this movie, if you ask me. Oh, like, I he agree. Could have, he would have done a fantastic job in that role. Um, and the medic could have been anybody because all he really does is moan and and pretend to. I, I don't know, like if he's supposed to be on drugs or something. But that was, I think, uh, an upset in, in casting, or maybe McCaddy wasn't available to be in that many scenes because he certainly isn't in. A, he's in he's in like two or three. Um, that so that was that was a bit of a disappointing, I guess, moment or two in the film was was watching him kind of get misused. Uh, there's and and then the guy who plays Isaac is. Um, like this is about where I stopped really paying attention to the movie. Also, was when Isaac meets up with Edward. Uh, they meet in like a town. I was so excited to see a town, or at least it was multiple buildings, because they hadn't really spent any time in civilization yet. Yeah, it was I kind thought of it was going to be just better. In the woods, killing zombies over and over again, like you know, rinse, repeat, kill random zombies in the forest, and then and run on and write in his journal. And you know, losing right. his wife, his son Ham, his horse Shiloh. Let's uh, let's have a, let's a, have a couple more dream sequences of his wife turning faceless and goo dripping off her face. That poor woman oh had to probably do so many takes of that particular <laughs> that yeah. particular thing where she. I was so excited for a village, like other people, more cast, and I should have realized that wasn't going to be the case. There's one dead guy in there, and then Isaac who. First does, yes, save his life, and then they both hide from a zombie, and then Isaac knocks him out, and then I'm like, I'm so confused by this relationship. Me too. Isaac ends up being like a friend, but the beginning of their relationship is, I was going to eat you, and then I realized you were too skinny, and I... And I, I saw you. I saw you at a journal. So, and I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna like talk to this guy. The whole thing was very odd. Um, yeah, it's like the strangest beginning of a of a buddy type relationship and and the rest of the movie isaac is like a hero character right but his introduction is kicking edwards like punching him in the back of the head and knocking him out for no reason at all right also yeah like when they're both at gunpoint with one another um after they kill the zombie edwards like I, i came here for food and shelter and that's it and isaac's response to him is i'm gonna kill you where you stand right like and, like, and then suddenly they trust each other forever. They're like brothers for life. Um, and it then it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. So and there, I mean, there were major issues here, obviously, with the dialogue and the writing. Clearly, right. Um, so I mean, I'm not going to honestly. I don't have too much more to say about it, other than that I'd avoid it if I was anybody watching, <laughs> anybody yeah. listening. I don't know that I can even recommend this on a like to put this on if you want to laugh quite a bit there are definitely just as it goes on and on it is kind of insane um 
And again, I, like this is the issue I have with so many of these kinds of films, which is like I'm totally on board if you've got a budget and there's some really good ideas here. But man, I just wanted the story to be so much better. I wanted the telling of it to be so much better. And I do think that there was the talent here, but there's only so much that some of the actors can do with it, right? Like you waste Steve McCaddy and, and D Wallace. On, I don't know. It just seemed it seemed very. Um, and, and you know, it finally finally gets to the point where. You, you meet Dee Wallace and she's like a quote unquote witch woman and has the story about where the origins of all this began. And even that telling, which, you know, we're talking about Edward Young, the character has lost so much. Um, he's lost his whole family and his response when Eve, uh, who's Dee Wallace, tells him about this is like, oh, well, that's OK, then you have yeah. to have a broken heart to appreciate things like do you think that that's really what's going to happen after we've seen this dude screaming like a madman in the woods like he his whole like like reason for living at this point is to bring his son's ashes to a waterfall like yep. i just don't know that that made sense and like and then there's just so many sort of like weird montage scenes both with him and Isaac and then with him and D Wallace and uh, Emma and just like that don't go anywhere. They're just sort of like, okay, now we're going to show us like killing a lot of zombies. We're killing force. And again, with the long narration over all the top of this, um, it was just, it felt like, I think that this movie succeeded in sort of warping time for me. Cause I just <laughs> couldn't, um, I just couldn't get out of it. far less time actually passed than you thought had passed. Oh God. It, it felt, felt like it had been a day and a half. Yeah. It felt so long. Um, I just, you know, it just was incredible to me. And again, like, as I said, I don't want to be too, too down on anybody who's, who's putting stuff out into the world. Cause honestly, that's, yeah. that's a thing. I agree Could with you. Could we do it. better? Probably a lot worse. Frankly. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but overall, that's my, my take on this is that, um, and actually, okay. The one other positive thing, I thought the soundtrack was kind of kicking. It was good. It was like very, you know, swelling. It had a little bit of a Last of the Mohicans feel to it here and there. Um, they overdid it <laughs> a, a lot. A lot of waterfalls, I guess, yeah. They overdid it a lot. But, um, you know, because they this just movie kept... also kind of took a attempted to take a page from Cold Mountain, mm -hmm. um, which is one of the only films that in my life has the uh, the, you know, well, what's the word? The honor, I guess, the privilege of being a film that I stopped. I finished watching and then started watching it immediately a second time. Oh, really? I thought it was so good. Oh, it is and good. That, that obviously borrows heavily from uh, the Odyssey. And I think th this movie is trying to create sort of a similar yeah. epic journey type um, storyline that unfortunately gets bogged down like the Odyssey does at times in uh, too many side plots and, yeah. and side quests, uh, but that, that aren't interesting enough to carry the film. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I got to. Yeah. So so I'm done talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, and I am very excited to talk about uh, the next, the next, uh, our next installment of, of Walking Dead Universe. Um, so you know that that's where I'm at right now. Do you have anything else to add to this? No, I guess I am. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm sorry. AJ, no, I don't call. be sorry. I. And, I thought and we it are going to get too. back on track next week because I think we're going to have some pretty uh, loaded scenes between Negan and Maggie coming up. I think so too. So I'm that. excited for that. Um, so uh, join us next time when we, we kick off. Are we doing just one episode or are we? I think that's all we'll have. Oh, okay. So, yes. so we'll have the first episode. Um, 
of Walking Dead. Um, and uh, if you'd like to leave a note about this, if you did see this and have thoughts, feel free to leave us a note. Uh, reanimatedpodcast.com is our site. Reanimated PCAST is our Twitter handle. And uh, reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com is our email address. So hope to hear from you all. And as always, thanks for listening and stay safe. Ciao. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye.